You're listening to the Adult Explore the Bible Weekly Leader Training Podcast. This podcast is designed to help teachers prepare to lead a Bible study group using LifeWay's Explore the Bible adult resources. Each week, we review the Bible passage for that week's study, examine some questions teachers may face, and give some teaching tips along the way. I'm Dwayne McCrary, your host, and today I'm being joined by Mike Livingston. Mike was with us a couple of weeks ago, and Mike's back with us today. Mike, thank you for being with us again. Glad to be here. Thank you. We're looking at session three of the summer 2022 study of First and Second Kings. We're looking at chapter 11, verses 1 through 13. We've entitled this lesson Compromised. We've outlined it this way. Warning ignored, a divided heart, and discipline promised. In verses 1 through 3 of chapter 11, Solomon ignored God's command to not intermarry with the pagan women, taking 700 wives and 300 concubines. Solomon was influenced by these women, turning his heart toward their gods and away from the true God. What we should understand is that God's warnings are given for our protection. In the second section, the second point, a divided heart, that looks at verses four through eight. What we come to understand in, in these verses is that as Solomon aged, his wives influenced him to turn to their idols. He followed Asheroth and Milcom and built shrines to Chemosh and Milcom in the hills adjacent to Jerusalem. Other shrines were also built so the foreign wives could offer sacrifices to their gods. We should understand for us that God expects his people to worship him and him alone. The last point, verses 9 through 13, discipline promised. God was angry with Solomon for turning to idols. God had warned Solomon about these dangers, and yet Solomon ignored God's warnings. God declared that much of the kingdom would be torn from Solomon's successors. Only one tribe would continue to follow the descendants for the sake of David and for the sake of Jerusalem. We can walk away from this section knowing that God holds his followers accountable for their disobedience. Mike, a lot of issues here. We've got God's anger. We've got polygamy. Uh, let's, let's go ahead and deal with polygamy while, we're, while I'm bringing it up. Solomon had several wives. And most, if not all, were foreign or non-Hebrew. How do we deal with this? Because with the Bible particularly calling for monogamy and Solomon being the wisest of all, yet here he is with 700 wives and 300 concubines. First of all, an affirmation here that from the beginning, God's design for marriage was a monogamous relationship. One man, one woman. Jesus reaffirmed that was God's intention. Intention. He reaffirmed that in Matthew 19. I mean, throughout Scripture, that's that's clearly God's design, God's plan. Nowhere in the Bible did God ever command or tell anyone to marry more than one wife. Nowhere does Scripture ever present polygamy as a part of God's design. Um, polygamy was never under any circumstances ordained by God for anyone. Uh, what is described in the Old Testament is not prescribed ever, pres prescribed for, for anyone. Um, the law of Moses prohibits polygamy. Um, um, you know, th there's a passage in Deuteronomy 17 that um, connects uh, to, to this, uh, what we're looking at in this session, Solomon, but Deuteronomy 17, 16 and following, 
and God is God is uh, speaking to uh, of kings of the future kings of His people here in this passage, and it says He must not He the king must not acquire many horses for himself, and and you know a king might rely on horses instead of God. You know, horses being a symbol of military strength. He must not acquire many horses. He must not acquire many wives, so that his heart won't go astray. And those are the very things that Solomon did. He First Kings four twenty six Solomon had. 40,000 stalls of horses for his chariots and 12,000 horsemen. He had 700 wives and 300 concubines. So, I mean, Solomon did exactly what God had said uh, kings were not to do. And the Lord repeatedly warned of the consequences of that. Um, the warning that you find in 1 Kings 11 um, is, is the warning that I just referred to back in Deuteronomy 17, mm -hmm. you know, not, not to have any wise because they'll turn your heart away to follow other gods. So first of all, we, we affirm what God's plan was. Um, it was not, it was never polygamy. Uh, secondly, God repeatedly warned of the consequences of this. Um, you know, the warning we, we see in this passage. And third, the third thing is, Whenever a man had two or more wives in, in scripture, it seems to always lead to trouble. I mean, it never, there's never a good, a, a good result in that. It always it seems like there's always a problem connected with that. Abraham with Sarah and Hagar, Jacob with Leah and Rachel, Solomon uh, says, when, you know, his wives turned his heart away from God. So how do we deal with Solomon here having um, all these wives and concubines? I think the I think one of the reasons the Bible records instances of polygamy like this is is to show just how destructive it can be to, to depart from God's plan for us. And I think if, if nothing else, it's here as a warning for us. So certainly it's it's described, but that it's a, a description is not a prescription. And I think it's it's given to us in in the sense of a warning of this. This is what happens when we don't follow God's intention for our lives. Quick source and to dig deeper, the writer for that uh, characterized Solomon here as as being wise, but also being greedy. And the things that you mentioned, his accumulation of wives, his accumulation of horses, but also his accumulation of silver and gold. Right. Uh, you know, we're told that that he what he had what uh, uh, twenty five tons is what we would word it. I think it's 666 talents and there's all kinds of conversation about what the significance of 666 being used in relation to, to Solomon in first Kings 10. I think that's first uh, 14 uh, where the 666 talents are mentioned. But behind all of that, all of those things point to a person who was greedy and, and we can certainly identify and see that in, in his character here. Mm -hmm. Solomon in verses four and six here in chapter 11 is compared to David. Uh, yet David was not without his faults either. Right. Uh, so nor was Solomon. So what should we make of that comparison? You know, when I look at those verses, you mentioned first Kings 11, four and verse six, the contrast to me there is between the heart of David and the heart of Solomon when he was old. David was, was wholeheartedly devoted to the Lord, but it says Solomon, Solomon was not wholeheartedly devoted to the Lord. He wasn't devoted to the Lord with his, with his heart. And, and to be sure, you know, David, 
Yeah, David was not without his faults, as you said. David sinned when he committed adultery with Bathsheba and he ordered the murder of Uriah. Um, so certainly David had his his own you know issues and his sins. But David repented, and we have we have the record of David's repentance, both in 2 Samuel and Psalm 51, a record of his repentance, that David was he was a man broken by his sin and 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 wanted more than anything to, for, th for things to be right with, with God, for his life to be right with God. Um, Solomon's life is pictured in a different way. In, in First Kings, is, is his life is just gets a, is a downward trajectory, you know, a downward spiral. spiral. Uh, you know, of a man, here's a man who made a, a thousand wrong choices. You know, seven hundred wise, three hundred concubines. You know, a thousand, a thousand wrong choices. And I think the difference essentially was a difference in his heart, because uh, it says more than once that his wives turned his heart away. That his his heart was turned away from the Lord, and his heart was no longer wholly God's, as it says. You know, David's was. You know, after David, recall that after David fell to temptation, that you know he prayed in Psalm fifty-one, "Wash me, and I'll be whiter than snow, and create a clean heart." in me you know david's desire more than anything else was for a clean heart uh, you don't you don't see that in solomon um, i think one of the underlying themes in this account in the story is god's faithfulness god's grace that what what kept solomon on the throne was god's promise to david you know god's faithfulness to david and, uh, you read the accounts of david you read the accounts of solomon and it just it just it points to our need of a savior you know, we thank God that as believers in Christ, our past sins don't have to define us, um, that God creates, can create in us a clean heart and wash our sins away. So, I mean, this whole, the whole account, yeah, we see the sins of, of Solomon here, and we're just reminded how much we need, how much, you know, our, our hearts tend to wander from him and how much we need a Savior. You mentioned the, the promises made to David. The Bible skill for this lesson focuses on that. We're encouraged to read 2 Samuel 7, 1 Kings 2, and then 1 Kings 9. And that'll, that way we can become familiar with the covenant God had made with David yeah. and with David's family line. And that'll help us understand probably to a deeper degree uh, what's happening here with mm -hmm. Solomon and God's response. Yeah. Uh, before we get to that part, though, I want us to think about uh, or, or deal with this issue, how compromise opens the door for disobedience. You see that in Solomon, don't you? You know, oh, com com compromise is not always a bad thing. You know, there are times when compromise is good. If you're, if you're married, you know, you know, sometimes compromise is a good thing and it's needed, but in a lot of other things in life, compromise is not good. And one of those is, you know, compromising God's commands and compromising the gospel and the essentials of the of faith you know they're yeah compromise is, is a bad thing in that sense and so solomon's solomon's first step toward this you know in this downward spiral that we talked about came when he ignored uh god's word god god had given a very clear word and solomon ignored that and he disobeyed that by by loving many foreign women who turned his heart away and and every time you know i think we could say that every time solomon took a foreign wife or a concubine it probably became a little bit easier you know that that everyone made him every time he did it he became a little more calloused 
you're further away from God, perhaps, you know, because committing sin hardens us to sin. And it's usually a series of small steps in the wrong direction, a series of compromises that that lead eventually to a major fall. You know, a husband doesn't probably doesn't decide just one day out of the blue to cheat on his wife. He, he begins with smaller indiscretions. You know, one incremental wrong decision leads to another wrong decision until a life and a marriage and a family is wrecked. You know, so we see examples every day of how compromise um, easily leads to further compromise and leads to this downward spiral till, till our lives are totally wrecked. I think that's one of the challenges when we study a book like First Kings is we see this snapshot, yeah, a snippet from a part of their life, and we forgot we forget mm-hmm. that there's been multiple years moving up to that point. It it didn't he didn't wake up one day and have seven hundred wives and three hundred concubines. It was accumulated over a lifetime. Yeah, and this part of this of uh, or this story comes from the latter part of Solomon's life. Mm-hmm. We don't know when he wrote. Uh, the Proverbs, we don't know when he wrote uh, Song of Solomon. Um, somewhere, it may have been after this experience. We don't know. Yeah. Um, but uh, it brings in all kinds of questions. But it does, it does without question, uh, point to the issue of how compromise uh, takes us down a road we just don't want to go down. Yeah. We're told here that God was angry with Solomon. So God was mad. Uh, how does that fit with other characteristics of God, especially when you think about the New Testament's emphasis on, well, God is love, and or our emphasis, actually, it's probably more our emphasis, that God is love? You know, um, it's, 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 not, it's not an accurate statement to say, you know, the, New Te- the Old Testament, you know, is, a, you know is, is about God's judgment and wrath. The, Old, the New Testament is about his love. And that's not an accurate statement um, at all. Um, that we see both in the Old and New Testament, both his wrath and his love. Um, <clears throat> that God, God is a holy God. That means God hates sin, all right, because God is a holy God. He hates sin. And um, uh, it was Wayne Grudem, theologian Wayne Grudem, made a statement that I, I remember reading um, that something like God, God's wrath is, is an attribute that we should thank and praise him for. We should thank God and praise him for that, for that attribute, because what would God be like if he were a God that did not hate sin? What would God be like if he were a God that tolerated sin? Would that kind of God be worthy of our worship? And the answer is no. So this you know, is something that we, we should be grateful for, that God is a holy God who does not tolerate sin. And then the next thing is that as Christians, we don't, we don't fear God's. We don't have to fear God's wrath as believers because Jesus bore the wrath of God that was due to our sin so that we could be saved. So here, you know, you see the God's love and God's wrath coming together uh, in Romans 5, 8, and 9. Um, it's an example that God proves his love for us and that while we're sinners, Christ died for us. And how much more then, since we've been justified by his love, will we be saved through him from wrath? So it's because of his love for us that he has saved us from that wrath. Or First Thessalonians 1.10, Jesus has rescued us from the coming wrath. So as believers, we, we, we don't have to live in fear of God's wrath because Jesus has rescued us from that. And God's wrath should motivate us to, to evangelism because 
Paul talked about how in Ephesians, Ephesians 2, 3, by, you know, we are by nature children of wrath. God, uh, people are without Christ by nature children of wrath. And this should motivate us to, to evangelize and share the gospel with those who, who are not believers. Don't you think that anger is a function of love as well and vice versa? Because they're so strongly yeah. tied to each other, I think. And I think, you know, as a parent, we can probably understand that a bit. Yeah. yeah. Uh, one thing that may help uh, in this uh, session is helping folks understand some of these foreign gods. There's a quick little resource, quick little tool you can use. There's a handout in the pack called, it's pack item 11, and it's labeled uh, Foreign Gods in the Times of the Kings. It just lists some of these foreign gods that we find in the book of Kings, our book of first and second Kings. And it just gives you a passage in a quick summary very quick summary, one or two words, some cases, that helps us understand what that false god was about, what that idol was about, which will even help us understand more fully why this was such an offense to God and why it would have made him so angry at what Solomon was doing. Mike, are there any other key thoughts or ideas you would share from 1 Kings 11, 1 through 13? You know, I was, I was reading in um, commentary, the Holman Old Testament commentary on this passage, and I came across an interesting thing that I hadn't thought about before, that you come down to the end of the chapter, and this is, this is outside of, you know, the passage we're actually looking at in, in, this, in this session, but down in verse 33, towards the end of 1 Kings 11, there's a statement God makes about the people. It says the people, they have abandoned me. They've bound, they bowed down to Ashtoreth and Chemosh and Milcom. And so he's saying the people have bowed down to these gods. In verses five and seven, back up, we, we've already looked at these verses, but those were the, those were the sins of Solomon. Uh -huh. Okay. It says in, that Solomon followed Ashtoreth and Milcom, and he built a high place for Chemosh uh, and, and for Milcom. And then, so and then later after that, as we, as I mentioned, you, you see the people doing the same thing, that the people have become like their leader. And that's a recurring theme in First Kings, that the people became like who they, the, those whom they followed. And that's a word for, for us who are leaders, that leaders set the standard for better or for worse. Um, you know, Solomon was a man who had more wisdom than anybody else. He had great ability, but he wasn't a safe leader to follow because he didn't guard his heart. So the question is, what kind of leader do we want to be? And what's more important, our smarts or our hearts? And, and, and I'd rather be a leader. I'd rather be a leader of moderate skills whose heart is fully the Lord's than, than to be the smartest guy, you know, uh, around, but who's spiritually mature or morally compromised. Uh, so just it's just a word, you know, about um, how important our leadership is. If you're, if you're a teacher, you know, how important the kind of leader you are uh, is. It's not just about what you know. It's about who you are. I love how you were. What's more important, our smarts or our hearts? Yeah, now, That's a great question for us to contemplate and end on today. Mike, thank you for bringing that up. Yeah. I want to thank you for listening to us today. If you have comments or questions, you're welcome to send me an email at dwayne.mccrary at lifeway.com. That's D-W-A-Y-N-E dot m-c-c-r-a-r-y lifeway.com and i'll do my best to answer your question or if i don't know the answer i'll put you in contact with the person who can answer that question for you 
Join us next week. We'll be looking at session four. Brian Daniel will be joining me. We'll be looking at 1 Kings 12, 6 through 19. We'll be examining the rise of King Rehoboam, but also the rise of Jeroboam and what happened to cause the division in the kingdom. And the main point we'll be examining is failure to listen to wise counsel contributes to conflict.